In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. And today on the podcast, I would like to welcome Scott Brandley. Scott was born and raised in Southern Alberta, Canada, but moved to Utah after serving a mission in Cape Town, South Africa. As soon as Scott settled in Utah, he started an online business with his dad selling LDS products. Eventually, they sold that business and started a successful software company, which became one of the fastest growing software companies in both Utah and the United States. In 2014, Scott was called to serve as a bishop in Ogden, Utah, and served diligently for over five years. And during that time, he was inspired to write a book called Faith to Stay, which helps members of the church build and strengthen their faith. He just finished this book, and hopefully it'll be out soon, so we can't wait for that. In 2022, Scott launched a podcast called Latter-day Lights, where he and his co-host, Alicia Coakley, give members of the church the opportunity to share their own faith-promoting stories. And you can hear that on latterdaylights.com. Scott has four children and likes spending his free time golfing and hanging out with his family. This is kind of funny. When he was growing up, he used to tell people he was American, Canadian American, <laughs> and he'd sing a song about it. And I need to hear this song, Scott. I know. <laughs> hear what this song is. What's really cool is in 2019, you discovered a petroglyph on a 400 foot high remote cliff in Illinois depicting Christ's outstretched hands with holes in the palms. How cool yeah. is that? Yeah, it, it was amazing. So, how did you know that it was like an ancient petroglyph or not something that, you know, someone had done recently? And who did, did you, who did you even call to say, come look at this, come see this? That is incredible. So do you want me to tell the story? I would love to hear the story. And then I want you to sing the Camerican's. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my, my dad. And I have been going to different conferences and things over the past five to 10 years <clears throat> that had to do with Book of Mormon stuff. Awesome. And we became friends with Wayne May. And right. Wayne, Wayne is kind of an archaeologist. He's the editor of a magazine called Ancient American Magazine. And, and he's his whole, he spent his whole life going and finding and exploring different ancient ruins and, and things like that. Cool. So, so we became friends with him. And this one day, my dad gets this magazine in the mail and it's this, this guy had died and he lived about 50 miles north of Nauvoo, Illinois. And he had all of these artifacts that he had collected his entire life and they were auctioning them off. Oh, and wow. So my dad's like, this sounds so cool. Like, let's get on a plane and let's go to, you know, to, to Illinois yeah. and, and check, check out this auction. Yeah. So we called up Wayne May and we're like, hey, they're having this auction. And Wayne's like, yeah, I got the same magazine. <laughs> so, no. so we're like, let's go to this auction together. He's like, yeah, I'm totally going. So, so. We're like, well, since we're going to be there anyway, why don't you show us some cool stuff, right? Because yeah. Wayne knows all this stuff. So he's like, yeah, we can totally do that. So 
we go to this auction and it was incredible. There was, it was almost like it was the size of an audit, like a gym. It was, it was basically a gym. And this guy had collected thousands of artifacts. No he, had, way. he just dug up in the dirt or found like next to rivers. And this is all in Illinois, by the way. Arrowheads, axe heads. What? Oh yeah. It was there was just tons of stuff. I have pictures. I have pictures to of all of the stuff. So oh another cool thing at the auction, I found this book and it's called Keokuk Axes. Okay. okay. So this random person that lives in Illinois, he found this axe head. It's like this, it's, it's quite large on the river. And he realized that other people had found axe heads (laughs) too. And so he wrote the book and there's hundreds of these ancient axe heads that are found all along by Nauvoo and on the other side of, of the river, which is Keokuk. So. On the opposite side of, of Nauvoo is, is Keokuk. Okay. So he wrote this book. He, he had all of these local people take pictures of their ax heads and he made a book about it. And so I found this book at the auction and I, so I, I, I bought it. I bought this book and then I also bought an ax at the auction. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I have that on my, on my stand at home, but anyway, all this fascinating stuff. So we go to this auction and then, and then Wayne says, okay, I have this Baptist minister. That's a friend of mine. And he knows these, these locations of these petroglyphs and him and his dad, when they were, when he was growing up, they would go exploring and they found this cliff side petroglyph and it is in the middle of nowhere. Like you've, we had to, we had to hike for several miles to get to it and then we had to basically scale the side of a cliff (gasps) and it was so freaky, but we, so we eventually got there and he's like, okay, when we get there, there's this thing that we call the throne and and it's, it's basically, it's a seat that's been carved out, out of the rock and behind the seat, there's three panels that have been carved in, in the rock and he calls it, he called it the throne. And there were other petroglyphs and things on the, on the rock face next to it. But we get down there and we're looking at these, you know, the petroglyphs and at the throne and, and it's really cool, but we didn't really think anything of it. Right. And then as I'm looking at the petroglyphs, there's a lot of hands on that have been carved into the rock. It's not, it's not painted on the rock. It's carved into the rock. Oh, wow. And, and I'm looking at it and, and a lot of times there's like one handprint, but in this case, there were two handprints and they were carved like this with the, with the or I guess people can't see my hands, but yeah, the thumbs, the thumbs out yes. in. Yes. And I'm like looking at it like, that is really weird. Like, why would you carve handprints that would that opposite. opposite of what you would normally do? Yeah. Pinkies facing each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they had holes in the palms carved. There were holes carved into the palms of the hands. And I'm looking at them like, Hey, John, and John's my uncle. I'm like, can you go put your hands next to those, those carvings and just mimic what, what that looks like. And he put his hands up like this and we freaked out because it, like, it looked like 
Christ holding his hands out. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. holes in the palms, right? And and the other thing that we noticed was next to all of these handprints with the holes in the palms, there was always a circle with a with a cross in the middle of it. Oh, interesting. And so what we're so what we what I guess what we deducted from that, right, was this could could be Christ's yes. hands, right? And then the circle with the cross is the cross is showing the death of Christ and the circle is the sun or life. Oh, like so resurrection. resurrection. If if you were to if, if you think about how you could depict Christ on a petroglyph, right? You would put a cross with a circle around it. Right. That makes total sense. That's amazing. Yeah. And so then it gets even better because then we go over to this seat or this throne, right? <laughs> We're looking at it. And my cousin or my, yeah, my cousin who was with us, he's like, we, we it looked, there were these weird imprints on the seat. And we're like, that kind of looks like a handprint, but not really. Okay. And so as we're looking at it, we realized that it was in an inverted handprint. Somebody had actually carved out where your fingers go. And there was a little divot for your thumb. And that, and where the palm goes, it was, it was smooth. Oh. So he put his hand on it and it fit perfectly no. in the handprint. And so then we're freaking out again. And yeah. And then we look yeah. over, we're like, is there a, is there one for the left hand? And sure enough, there was one for the left hand. So my uncle John, he has his hands in these inverted handprints and we realized that it's not a throne, it's an altar. And then he kneeled down, he kneeled down and we were freaking out because as he kneeled down, he's got his hands in these inverted handprints and then you've got these three panels of petroglyphs right above him that he's looking straight at. It was insane. It was like blowing my mind. Is there any way... Did you ever find out like how old they were or to like date these? No, I mean, I, we don't know, but I mean, the fact that there's, you know, the handprints with the holes in them and, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. And that we actually found other petroglyphs with hands with holes in them too. Yeah. There's, I talk about it all in my book, but yeah, <laughs> was, that is so awesome. It felt like Indiana Jones. It was, oh yeah. It was, it was awesome. How, how can you, what's the method of like preserving something like that? Like, do you have to like tell some, like, okay, we found these petroglyphs and how can we keep, like, I know in St. George where my parents live, there's like a petroglyph hike, hike you can go on. And they say, please try not to walk on top of the petroglyphs. Cause you can actually walk on the rocks where they're painted on, mm -hmm. like try not to walk on them. Cause you can wear them down faster and things like that. So is there, I don't know, like what's the protocol or are you supposed to tell anyone about it? Or I don't know how that works. Well, I think it's every like that. Yeah. These places are so remote. I don't think anybody really knows where they are. So, I mean, it is possible somebody could go and desecrate them, but I mean, even to find them, there was nothing, there were no signs or anything. Like we it were, worked. we were hiking through this power line trail in the middle of nowhere for a couple miles. And then he saw a log. This is how we, that's how we found it. There was a log on the side of the trail. And he's like, oh, I think that's the log. So then we just turned off. There was no trail going down to it or anything. We were, we were kind of going through the brush and, and the bush to get there. That is so, amazing. And yeah. why, why Illinois? 
Good question. I don't know. Cool. <laughs> you know what is interesting? My dad, so he said um, they live by Snow Canyon in St. George, and there's lots of beautiful petroglyphs and lots of incredible stories with the Native Americans that that were there. And my dad said, I honestly feel like there's something really sacred about Snow Canyon. And there's like a really, like you can feel the spirit there. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting, like just, I don't know, there's something, what do you think it is that, that ties us to people that have gone before us and, and whether we're their direct ancestors from us or not, what do you think it is that makes us be like, look, people wrote something, people carved something, people, People are, are, are depicting their testimony of Jesus Christ in rock. Why do you think we're so drawn to the past that way and finding out, oh man, other people believed in Jesus too thousands and thousands of years ago. Why is that so compelling? I think it's just human nature to want to share what's most important to you and to help the future generations know what you've believed and what you felt. And they you know, that's one way they could share that and make sure it lasted into the future is carving it, right? Or drawing it on rock. Yep. Yep. And it, and it has, and it, it is amazing that these, these petroglyphs and things ha have lasted. I mean, I don't even know how many years, but thousands, probably hundreds if, at least of years. So you have a podcast called Latter-day Lights. Let's talk a little bit about how that came to be and some of the topics you discuss on Latter-day Lights and, and some of the guests that you've had on. How did you come up with this idea or why? Okay, that's a good question. So as I was finish, finishing writing my book, I went to the LDS publisher conference to try to figure out how to how to market it or, and what to do to kind of wrap it up and, and make sure I do it the right way. <clears throat> and I went there by myself. I was supposed to go with Alicia Coakley, my co-host for, for Latter-day Lights, but we were friends before that and, but she got COVID. So I went to the conference by myself and <laughs> it's, it always sucks going to something by yourself, right? Especially when you don't know anybody. Right. Well, the first day I went to the lunch because they have a lunch there and <laughs> I sat by myself and I, I talked to some people that came and sat at the table and things. There wasn't really a connection, but yeah. next day I went back and I'm like, maybe I should just leave. You know, like it's, it's wrapping up anyway. I don't really want to sit by myself, but I decided, yeah. no, I'm going to, I'm going to just go sit there and see if I can meet somebody. So I sat at a table by myself, feeling bad about myself <laughs> because I was alone. <laughs> and, and then this girl comes and sits by me. Her name is Kristen Reber. And we start talking and she tells me that she wrote a book called Early Homecoming, which was about missionaries that obviously came home early from their missions. And she, she went I think to the Philippines, but she got a bug and she had oh. to go home. And I'm like, she was telling me her story. I'm like, that's really cool. I'm like, how do you get that out there? How do you reach your audience? And she's like, well, I have a podcast. Oh. And people that, that can relate to my message find me. And then, you know, I have those people on and it just helps 
to share my message and to help missionaries that come home early to yeah. feel like they're not alone. Right. And so after that, I was driving home and I had, I just had this idea. I'm like, why don't, why don't we create a podcast where members of the church can share their stories? And I'd been feeling like I needed to do something to help it, you know, like promote missionary work and help share light into the world. I just didn't know what it was. Yeah. And then that light bulb just kind of went off in my head. I'm like, I can do that. I could create a podcast. I've never done it before, but I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that I could, I could have people just share their stories and, and, and kind of spread light into the world. Sure. Yeah. And so I, I called up Alicia. I'm like, Hey, I, I got this idea. And she's like, I'm in, let's do it. And so, yeah. So then we just did it. We just contacted friends and family and it's at first to see who would, you know, be willing to, to be on. And, and then it's just kind of grown from there. But it's been really fun. It's been a it's been a cool journey. We've had a lot of really interesting stories. And what I've realized is everybody has a story, multiple stories, right? Sure. Yes. And so it just gotta have the courage to share it. And when you do, it can impact other people for good. Absolutely. I, I totally believe that sharing your stories and and trials and things that you go through can I mean, that's kind of the whole point of scripture when you think about it it's nephi like i'm going to share my story about mm -hmm. my family in hopes that it will bless someone in the future and how god has had a hand in our life and and to prove that here's how he helped us and our family and and maybe you can learn something about yours i mean that it they're the scriptures are they're journals they're accounts of just people's lives and so when we're doing podcasts or talking to people and having them share their lives and their stories it it is very faith promoting and and we can learn a lot from other people and and good and bad so is it just normal people with their normal lives like how do how do you find people to come on your podcast you said friends and family at first and then same thing do people contact you or are you like hey you have a really interesting story or how do you find people to to talk about their lives yeah so that's it's kind of growing organically as the message is getting out there. People are coming to us more and saying, Hey, I have, I know somebody that had a cool story. Usually it's not them that says, Hey, I have a cool story, but oh, yeah. that has happened a couple of times. You should talk to me about yeah. my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But then also as, as I'm going through life, I just hear people's stories like at church or, or whatever, or, Sure. And then I, and then it clicks in my head. I'm like, oh, they have a cool story. I should ask them if they want to be part of it. You right. Podcast. Of it. So, have you ever had people say, no, not ready, or I don't want to share? Rarely. Yeah. Most people will do it if, if you ask them. Which I think is fascinating too, that even someone that's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to say here. I don't know that, that people want to talk about their lives and experience. And is it mostly about, their faith in in the church and Jesus Christ trials like are there do you have different topics for different speakers or what's kind of the the gist of the of your podcast we let them share whatever story they want okay. and it's just normal everyday people yeah um, so it it's 
yeah, like we don't, we're not actively going after, you know, celebrities or anything like that. We, we really want it to be relatable. Yeah. Right. So, and, and I'm sure like in the future, we might have a few of those people on it, but, but that's not the purpose. I mean, the purpose is really just to give the everyday member of the church a platform where they can share their story to, sh- to bring light and hope, <laughs> encouragement to other members of the church that might be struggling. So, Have you, what is one of the stories that, that you've heard or that's been on the podcast that has directly impacted or blessed your life? So there's been a lot of them, but one that, that I really liked was, her name is Emily. She went on a mission to Honduras and she had a really hard time, but she met one of her companions was from Honduras and they got along really well, became really good friends. Now, and Honduras is a very poor country. Yeah. And so life goes on. She gets back from her mission. She gets married, you know, and she has a little two-year-old boy and he gets cancer. And I don't know how, how she was connected to them, but imagine dragons, the band found out about her little boy and they had a nonprofit that helped them, Wow, their little boy. And so they promised themselves, right. That at some point in the future, they were going to pay it forward. Wow. And they didn't know what they were going to do but they made this promise to each other. And so a couple of years pass and then she hears from this missionary companion in Honduras that her husband, who was, who was the bishop in Honduras, he was considering basically coming to, coming to the United States illegally because they were so poor. Yeah. Couldn't afford food. It's. And even though he was the bishop, he's like, I don't know what to do because I have to feed my family, but I know that doing that is illegal, you know, right? So he's having this crisis and then they call him to be the state president. And so now he's like, I don't know what I'm, what to do. And so this missionary companion calls Emily and she's like, this is my situation. I'm desperate. And I don't know what to do. Yeah. And so Emily and her husband remembered that promise they made to each other. Yeah. And so they decided to create a nonprofit to help kids and, and families in Honduras. And so they didn't really have any money, but they're just like, we made a promise and we're going to do it. So they, they committed to, to the, the missionary companion and her husband to hire him to run their, their nonprofit, which didn't exist yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and by doing, and they were, they committed to paying him a certain amount for a year. Okay. Out of their own pocket. Wow. And, and then they started to, you know, collect donations and things to help kids get an education because in Honduras, you have to have a school uniform and books and things in order to get into school. School is free, 
but you have to have a uniform to get a school. It's, and that costs about $150 American. No way. Yeah. And, and, yeah. So the average family in Honduras makes like $150 a month. So sending your kids to school is really a challenge. Yeah. So they, so that was one of the things that they wanted to do with their nonprofit. And then the other thing they wanted to do microloans. And so they've been able to, to start this nonprofit and it's picking up steam and they've, they've been able to help several dozen kids get uniforms and they've been, they've done several microloans already. And this is, this is their first year doing it. Wow. So it, was, it was such an amazing story. Just the power of shows the power that you can have if you want to do something good in the world. Yes. And that everyone, everyone that's going to look different for everyone. Everyone has their own talents and their own ideas of how to do that. And, and it's not, no one's is better or, or, or more right or than anyone else's. It's just, I would, I would choose to do something different with my talents and then someone else would. And we need everyone's ideas. Like how incredible that she's like, well, I served a mission there. I know the culture. I know the people and, and here's what I think would be best. And, and to know, well, school uniforms is a big thing. We'll help raise money. That's amazing that she's like, oh, well, this is something that I can do and that I know. And that's, I think sometimes people get caught up in what can I do? You can do so much, but, but it's, it's specific to you. Heavenly Father will let you know what talents you were blessed with and how you can, like you said, spread light and goodness and do good in the world with the ability and the capacity that he gave you. And that'll look different from everyone. And I think that's, wow, that is such an incredible story. My nephew served his mission in Honduras as well. And he, and he said the same thing. He's like, it, it was very, it was very, very, you know, humble and, and, and poor and, and the people there, what they do, they just don't have a lot. And so I can imagine it did the state president end up staying there. Yeah, he did. <clears throat> yeah. So a funny story. When we launched the podcast, I made a post and I said, the first person that donates to the, to the, to the, the organization, I'll match it. Oh, and I was thinking it was going to be $150, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my aunt-in-law, my aunt-in-law. Okay. She donated $750. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I should have been more clear on that. No, no. Under 200. That is amazing. And so generous. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. You're like, oh, yay. That's a really good thing, but a lot of money. Yeah. So, but it's been fun. That's that, awesome. Their, their nonprofit is called the Markovian Project. Awesome. So if anybody wanted to look that up. But, that is fantastic. What a beautiful story. So, so let's talk about, let's, let, let's talk about stories in your book that you have coming out, hopefully maybe end of this year or, or next year, Faith to Stay. Mm -hmm. And so is, is this based on your stories and your life experience, or do, is it kind of a compilation of stories you've heard on your podcast? No, this is, this is more personal stories and okay. experiences and research and things that I've put together. It started because when I was first made a bishop, put in to be a bishop, one of the families in my ward left the church. And that I did everything I could to try to get them to stay. But yeah. I 
they left. That was really hard on me. And then a year later, another family left and they were really close to me. And, you know, it was so I I did everything I could to try to get them to stay again. And I just, I wasn't successful. And one day I was going on a walk and the whole book just came into my head, like inspiration. And I had no, I had no plans to write a book about faith or anything. But it felt like God was speaking to me and he's like, you need to write this book and, and here's what you need to, to talk about. So I wrote that all, I wrote that outline down and, and it took me five years to write it, but it's, it's, it's really good. Why, why do you think that, that families are, are leaving the church and, and it's, it's interesting because I actually talked to a stake president here in Utah and he's like, the perception is, is that oh, so many people are leaving the church. And he's like, it's actually not accurate that the church has has never been stronger. And and he talked about, you know, kind of a, the church does research on this all the time. What's, what are causing people to, to have these faith crises and, and, and leave? And not to say it doesn't happen, but, but overall, the church has always grown. It's never gone down. He's like, it's maybe sometimes leveled, stay the same, but we've never like dipped in numbers. But with social media now and and podcasts and things, people talk about leaving a lot and 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 why they do. And so, what what was it about you know the families in your ward and and why do you think that people right now are having these kind of faith crises of I don't know. And then instead of just the parents saying we're going to stop going for a while or whatever, they pull you know, their whole family, kids and everything, take names off the records of the church and things like that. Why do you think that is? Good question. I think it's a lot of it is perception, right? If, if you have, especially like with social media and things, depending on who you're following or what you're reading online, you can get the impression that, hey, that's a mass exodus, right? Yeah. But I agree. I, I think, I think it is a minority, but but the messaging that's out there makes it feel different. Yeah. And some people are more susceptible to that messaging than others. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the types of content that you read and, and how, how, how often you dwell on it. One of the things I talk about in my book is something that I learned after the families left, I came across it and it's, all right, the name of it just went out of my head. But it's by Elder Corbridge. And anyway, in the talk, he talks about this idea of primary questions versus secondary questions. And a lot of people that leave the church focus too much on secondary questions or questions that can't really be answered fully. It might have to do with like church history or different types of doctrine that we just don't have all the answers to, or, you know, things that have happened in the past that maybe weren't fully explained properly, things like that. Right. Yeah. Like, or was Noah real? Where did dinosaurs exist? (laughs) Right. Jonah and the whale. Polygamy, same sex marriage, that kind of, right. Like all of that kind of things, those, he, he calls those secondary questions and he talks about how we need to focus on the primary questions and the primary questions are, is God real? 
Is Jesus Christ the Savior of the world? Is Joseph Smith a prophet? Is the church true? Is the Book of Mormon true? If you can get a firm testimony of those primary questions, then all of the secondary questions pale in significance, right? Because there is an answer for them. Yeah. We just don't have the answer. Right. And But if the other things are true, eventually we'll, we'll be able to know the answers right the secondary question that that's really interesting yeah it's it's an amazing talk um and i actually wrote about it a lot in my book because one of one of the things that that i didn't mention is when that first family left i kind of had a little bit of a faith crisis myself and i was the bishop at the time yeah and one of the things that helped me through it was I had to break down my faith into its most basic elements and and basically ask myself, you know, is God real? Yeah. And I had to be honest with myself because I had to answer the questions that this family was having. Sure. Right? And yeah. So I had, so I broke it down and just to myself, I'm like, okay, is God real? Yes. And here's why. Right. And I, and I actually researched both sides of the what if God isn't real? What does that look like? Yeah. And then from there, once I once I knew, uh, well, I reassured myself. Really, yes, God is real. And then I'm like, okay, well, is Jesus Christ the Savior? Is Joseph Smith a prophet? Is the Church true? Is the Book of Mormon true? And as I did that, I knew, like, I built it back up. I built my testimony back up. I'm like, yeah, I'm good, right? And and that's and so when I got that inspiration to write the book. That was actually my chapter outline. Oh, wow. And then later on, I found this talk by Elder Corbridge, and he said the exact same thing in the same order. Oh, interesting. Those five primary questions. So yeah. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. Cool. So do you think that it, it it's just a matter of having more faith, like faith to stay? Do you think that sometimes it's, well, your faith wasn't strong enough? that people are leaving, why, why that title faith to stay instead of strength to stay or courage to stay or endurance to stay faith to stay? Well, I think that in a way having courage to stay is having faith to stay. So I, I kind of, they're kind of synonymous, I guess, when it comes to how I thought about it when writing the title, faith and courage, but that's a long titles. So, um, yeah, sometimes people just need to have that, have that faith to, to keep believing, even if they, you know, they can't see necessarily the full path forward. Right. Right. You, you don't just abandon it just because not everything lines up perfectly. Right. You, you just keep going and take keep taking those steps in the dark, hoping that God will light them up as you go. Right. Right. If you never take the step, then you'll never know if if God was truly there for you. And and he is, you know, like we find that when we do take that step, or you know, he is there for us. And how do people have that kind of faith? It's like well, you, you need to have that kind of faith. How do you think one develops that kind of faith? By keep taking the steps in the dark. 
right? He's right. So we're told you receive no witness until after the trial. The trial. Yeah. After the trial of your faith, right? That trial is, is those steps in the dark and it, and it might take months. It might take years of walking in this and taking those steps in the dark, but eventually the light is going to come. And when you look back from that point, you'll see, oh, he was actually with me the whole way. I just didn't see it. I think that's an important point that it, it sometimes takes a long time because it can be frustrating for people that feel like I'm really struggling. I'm having a difficult time and I am doing the steps and I am trying to grow my faith, but I'm still in the dark. I'm still in my 40-year wilderness. I'm still waiting on the Lord. That can be really hard to say, why, why, why isn't this easier when I'm putting forth so much effort? And, and for me, if I can, I, I can be mad some days and frustrated, like, well, I don't understand why this is happening when this is something I've specifically prayed for. And I don't know how I could be showing any more faith and fasting and prayer and scripture reading and temple going and all the things and all the steps. And, and that, but that thought of, but it's a trial and we're supposed to, we're supposed to have trials and they're refining. And they'll help us grow. And there's some lesson yet to be learned or the timing isn't right or there's puzzle pieces that have to be fit in certain ways or maybe there's other people that heavenly father's like well you're ready but this person isn't so once they're cut up that i can bring you together and this can work out for you and and it can happen but i think that's important to remember is that it it's the timing sometimes is that's the, sometimes the most difficult thing to trust is like you can be doing everything right and there's nothing wrong with your faith. It's just the enduring to the end and having that patience and knowing that Heavenly Father won't leave you alone. And one of my very favorite scriptures is in Isaiah and it's, I will not leave you comfortless. I will comfortless. I will come to you. Mm. He's not, he's not going to leave us alone as we're going through these trials and our faith, things might not work out the way that we want them to in the right timing, but he's not going to just say, you're on your own until I'm ready to bless you. That's not how he works. Right. That he'll come to us in our moments of trial and sit with us and help us through them until the thing that we're hoping and wishing and having faith for works out. Yep. I agree. Well, Scott, it's been so fun to talk with you today. Uh, honestly, that petroglyph story is just awesome. And, and I think it's so cool. And, and is a beautiful testimony of, you know, just people all throughout time are looking, they're looking for the savior. They're looking for that light in their life and, and for someone to rely on. And I love that you have this podcast that is just sharing stories of people like you and I, Latter-day Lights, that are moving through life and, and, and seeking ways to find the savior and to draw closer to him. I'm excited for your book, Faith to Stay. Tell people where they can go again to listen to the podcast, to find out more about your book. And maybe even if they're listening and they're like, I have a story or they have someone that knows someone that has a story. And they're like, oh, I should contact him. This really needs to be shared. How can they get a hold of Just go to latterdaylights.com and there's a form that you can, that you can fill out and yeah, we'll, we'll get back with them and, and get them on the podcast. That's so awesome. I just want to say thank you for doing this too. I mean, we're kind of in the same boat, right? Yeah. Trying to do good in the world and, and share light yes. story. So thank you for doing this back. 
Thanks, Scott. It's been, it, honestly, it's been such a blessing in my life and so fun to be able to talk with people and everyone's so different. I've, I've been able to, to talk with people like Michelle Craig, who's the most amazing woman. I've been able to talk with people that have overcome addiction and people that are, that have had faith crisis, crises, crises, <laughs> what's the plural of that? And in, to family members, to, I mean, it just everyone. And it's just, it's so, it really makes me just love and appreciate people and, and, and what they go through and, and to not ever judge or pass judgment on anyone or like, Oh, why did you make that decision? Or that was weird. And tell me about that is you just never know what people are going through. And I just feel like I love the thought. And it's been said a lot of that. We're all just helping each other home. And I think that's the most beautiful thought. We're all just helping each other home. We're all just helping each other return to the savior. And if I can do it in some small way of spreading good goodness through my podcast and same as yours, then it's, it's just an honor and a privilege to do so. So thank you for being able to talk with me today and taking time and for all the good you're doing. Thank you. I am Carmen Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John Bytheway, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy, truly, all in one little app. And you can use promo code doing good all one word at checkout and you get a full month free so check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com see you soon